0: Early on up to the 9-foot homemade oak bar, pour yourself a cold one. This is Socks in the Basement, for Fans by Fans, and 30 Minutes of Socks. And my friend Ed and I are sitting here ready to talk with you on a gorgeous weekend in the Chicagoland area. And also a great finish to the month of April. It's all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Not the end of April, What the White Sox did. They had nothing to do with. But Socks in the Basement is brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. If you have any foundational issues, you want to have your sump pump checked out, uh, you you think you might see some cracks down in the basement, you might have a little bit of seepage, you're you're buying a new place or you're looking at a new place, you want somebody to come out and evaluate, give them a call, phone number right on the label, or visit them today, FAMWS.com, mention Socks in the Basement, and you will pay less. All right, end of this month, just a great finish. I mean, for all my annoyance with some of the lineup decisions by Tony La Russa, with the weird bunting, I mean, did I see him bunt a guy from second to third the other day? I mean, like, there are things that he does that I go, how old are you and why do you continue to prove to me that you managed in the 80s by continuing to manage like it's the early 80s? But on the other hand, it's hard to argue with results. A team that came out slow in a lot of ways with a lot of their key players not hitting, and he's been able to massage this team into quite a run over the last 10 days. And they're clearly the best team in the AL Central, even if they're sitting in second going into May, because what the Royals have, I believe, is complete fool's gold when you look at the metrics of their team and ours. So it's hard to be upset. You you have to be in a good mood entering the month of May.
1: Well, absolutely. And, and, and some of these early season things that have gone on, I mean, we can take Umbridge with... With Tony maybe making some managerial decisions, like you said, that look like he's still stuck with, uh, you know, the the 80s White Sox teams and, uh, you know, still stuck with what he was doing with the Oakland A's, things like that. But I don't necessarily mind a new manager going through the first month of the season, playing around with his lineup a little bit. It's a little different than Ricky Renneria still doing it, you know, the last week of the season, trying to find out where everybody should be hitting. Tony giving even opportunities to somebody like Jake Lamb or Billy Hamilton in the first month of the season, I'm sort of okay with that. I'd prefer he not cost Andrew Vaughn at bats for Billy Hamilton, but this is the time of the year where you got to learn this stuff, even the bullpen stuff. I'm okay with him trying to figure out the bullpen a little bit. What I'm happy about is guys are coming around and hitting the way they're supposed to hit, Pitchers are coming around, they're starting to pitch the way they're supposed to pitch, and you're seeing the talent on this team that we expected rise to the top, and you're right, the Royals have fun being in first place for right now because you are not staying there.
0: Oh, you're you're screwed. We're coming for you. This is all going to be over very quickly for the Kansas City Royals. The White Sox are going to catch them, uh, beat them, run over them, step on them on the way by, and just keep going. Uh, let, let's talk about some of the stats as we get to the end of April, beginning of May. Just as we, we flip the calendar here, Uh, As I sit here and look at the White Sox offense, the second highest OPS in Major League Baseball. And that's not because of their slugging. And you'll be like, what? What are you talking about? Look at look at all the big hits that they're getting. Look at the home runs that they're knocking out. It's not because of that. They are Billy Bean's wet dream. They are Moneyball's answer. They get on base more than any other team in Major League Baseball, including the Los Angeles Dodgers. As they finish off April, their on-base percentage is number one. And they also have the highest batting average of every team in Major League Baseball. They're not near the top of the home run list, but they are a team that goes out there and gets on base and scores runs. And they have a run differential right now, Ed, that is a higher number. And that is the difference between the amount of runs they score and the amount of runs that they give up. So the higher the number, the bigger the differential. Their run differential is more than the amount of games they've played. I want you to think about that because that is rare. They are a team that is averaging more than a run per game better than their opponent. You know, I mean, they're not going to win every game, but that's how you get into streaks where you win 8 out of 10, you know, or 9 out of 12, and you start going, and this team has that in them. Like, they're going to stumble. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to lose, you know, for example, earlier in the week, first game of the of the series to the to the Tigers. Like they're not going to sweep everybody. But you know, this this is something that that shows you how good of a team they are and I feel like they've just scratched the surface because you got a guy like Timmy Anderson who still isn't like clicking on all cylinders right now. You got a guy like Jose Abreu who still isn't clicking on all cylinders, but he, he's getting there. You got Andrew Vaughn now improving incredibly within your lineup. You see is, you know, when you, when you go back over the last 14 days, the last 21 days, you could see that as he's gotten acclimated, he's starting to hit the ball at a very good pace for a rookie. You've got all this going on and you want Moncada hitting like it's 2019 suddenly. I mean, this is, and, and I haven't even gotten a year mean Mercedes yet. And the fact that he, he has an OPS that like, if he just keeps doing this for the rest of the year, He's a Hall of Famer. Like it's not even possible to keep this up. It's right? Incredible. Yeah. No.
1: He he's not gonna. He's not going to to be what he has been in April. But uh, the the idea that you went through the month of April, end of the month of April, with that run differential, and forget you know your mean Mercedes for a second, or some of the contributions you've gotten from guys that maybe you weren't expecting. But think about the fact that we spent the entire month going. What's wrong with Juan Moncada? You know, is it was twenty nineteen a fluke? He looks awfully. You know, he's striking out a lot. He looks awfully. You know. Uh, well, I way, didn't. You know, I didn't uh, feel that way.
0: Don't you put me? I've been a yo-yo. Uh, you know, Stan. Well, I don't know if that's what the kids say. I I have believed in him forever.
1: He was early on. He was striking out a lot, right? More to the point, Jose Abreu has been. He was almost useless at the plate for the first three weeks of the season. You know, and and he was grounding out and striking out and not doing. it. this is the MVP. This is a rating AL MVP. You have two guys in the lineup, two major guys in the lineup that hadn't really been themselves. Not including somebody like Yasmani Grandal, who was getting on base but not really hitting.
0: Yasmani Grandal is much better against left-handed pitching than right-handed pitching, and he's had six at-bats against left-handed pitching right now. In fact, Zach Collins has actually faced more. Left-handed pitchers than Yasmani Grandal. Uh, Yasmani, I think that's is going to figure this out as things go on. I I'm not afraid yet about what his year is going to look like.
1: But I'm saying that's the point. The point is, is that for all of these concerns, the White Sox have ended the April with a with a massive run differential, and that is why we can sit here and still say, look, at the end of the season, they are going to be in it.
0: Well, here, I want to go back to something we talked about. I want to say it was a week or two ago on this show. Remember, everything's on demand at saxinthebasement.com. And also, every podcast player you can think of, you can say, hey, Alexa, play Socks in the Basement. It just starts playing. Uh, but the brand-new interactive website, which also has a little microphone in the bottom right corner of your screen, whatever device you're using, you click on it, you leave us a voicemail, you talk with Socks in the Basement, you give us your comments, your concerns, your questions, and then we will use them whenever it makes sense to throw them onto the show. But a couple of weeks ago, we did a dive into OPS versus left-handed pitching and right-handed pitching. And if you remember, we talked about their career, 2019, and their 2020 shortened season. When, When you look at what's going on here in the first month of play, after we've gotten through that, which would have been basically half of last year when you're trying to compare things, all right? But it's still part of a very short sample, very small sample size for this season. The White Sox have more guys that are at all-star level, 900 or higher OPS against left-handed pitching than they had with when you look at career stats, 2019 stats, 2020 stats. Here in early 2021, they're murdering it, but they haven't actually seen a lot of it. The thing that stands out to me, though, is what they're doing against right-handed pitching. And that's the key. For the first time in the while, the White Sox have four active players that have an 840 or higher OPS, that's your on base percentage and slugging percentage added up against right handed pitching. Mercedes, who's ungodly at a Hall of Fame level right now with an right, 11 yes. 16. All right. Tim Anderson at a 902. Adam Eaton at an 876. And Juan Mancada with the 842. And if you remember from that show, we said he's got to be one of those guys that hits against righties for this thing to go. And he's doing it. Now, if you add in. The last couple years of Aloy Jimenez and Adam Engel, two guys that will eventually return to this team, one of which Engel hopefully in the next week or two, and Jimenez hopefully in the back half of the season, that goes from four guys at that level to six, with Luis Robert and Nick Madrigal nipping at the heels of getting onto that list as well against righties. And Madrigal showing last year that he could, and Robert really starting to hit the ball with consistency. If it comes together, the biggest concern that we had a couple of weeks ago becomes like a, a question that has been answered. And if that happens with the way this team is pitching, uh, good luck, everybody. Like I'm, a, I'm, I'm starting to throw my chest out and like and we, we like telling people like we're good. I got asked last night on a Zoom call with a bunch of friends that I've been friends with since college. We've been getting together, you know, every week. And we just sit down and have a beer at the, at the bar and I talk with them. And my buddy from New York Always makes fun of me when I tell him that the White Sox are a great team and a contender. He just put his head down like he knew. I was like, we're better than you. We're better than you right now, and I think we're going to be better than you all year. You know, my buddy from Minnesota, miserable out there. Just like, thanks for sending Calumet to us because it's just costing us games. Like, I guess he's like at a negative, he's nearly at a negative three war for the season already for how he's affected Minnesota Twins games, Okay. Like all my friends, I got, I got the other friend is a St. Louis Cardinals fan. I mean, think about, think about the guys I have to deal with normally and the way that they're normally much better than my team. Those
1: are some of the worst fans to deal with. Right. And
0: and they're the worst people to deal with. And all of them last night were like, yeah, your team, your team is bonkers. Good. This just incredibly good. So, I mean, like, look, you're not going to win every game, but look at the overall play. Look at what's going on right now over the last week and a half, man. You got to be pumped. Ed, I'm going to tell you something. The moment that this series is over with Cleveland and the White Sox hit the road, there is something to do at Cork and Carey at the park on Monday, which is an off day and the White Sox are not in town. They do two burgers for the price of one. dining only hey. when it is not a White Sox home game. Can't do it during White Sox home Ooh. games. But guess what? They're not at home. They're not playing. All right? So you got two burgers for the price of one. Do not forget that over at 33rd in Princeton, that is some of the best food in and around the ballpark. I put it up against the food that's in the ballpark. People always rave about what's going on inside the ballpark. Look, it's a little confusing right now. Like, where can I go get some food? You know, where am I allowed inside the ballpark? It's not a bad idea. During games, to head over to 33rd in Princeton and get your food before. Or after, it's not a bad idea to go watch a game there with other Sox fans, whether they're on the road or at home. But if you're thinking about getting yourself some eats on Mondays, these things are like award-winning. The Latino Burger, one of Chicago Tribune's top 10 burgers of the year, queso chorizo, avocado, chipotle mayo. They got the cork with the pork. It's got pulled pork on top of the burger. They've got the Southside Irish. I think you've had that one before. It's got Irish bacon, double-edged cheese, coleslaw, and an egg put up on top of it so many different options great ballpark food head over there to 33rd in Princeton for more details cork and carry at thepark.com so you made a mistake and I'm gonna laugh at you about it right now after the show last weekend we had a conversation about Dylan
1: cease we did I wrote about him last week so I think this was that's last right week, yeah
0: and you wrote an article even saying he was the biggest problem on the pitching staff and it was time to move him out of the rotation And then I went so far as to saying, why don't I trade you a couple of high-end prospects for Dylan Cease in our Fantasy Baseball League? And folks, within 24 hours, Dylan Cease was a member of my team. I traded away Luis Capuzano, who very shortly after that trade went back down to AAA for the Padres, and Nico Horner, who's the second-base middle-infield prospect for the Cubs that's up right now, for Dylan Cease. Ed gave up on Dylan Cease. The first start after that occurred for Dylan Cease. He goes out, goes seven strong. 71% of his first pitches were strikes. He was throwing strike one 71% of the time in that effort. He looked marvelous. He was throwing a curveball with a hook that made me swoon to strike out everybody. His finishing pitch, I think, was a curveball every single time. The Tigers knew it was coming and they couldn't get their bat on the ball. That was incredible. If this guy. Does that. And supposedly, I guess Lance Lynn told him to do something. You like kind of credit him like, oh, Lance talked to me about this and I should, I- I'm going to try it. Well, it worked. Whatever it is, it worked. You know, I mean, there there's, there's what happens when you bring in a veteran pitcher like Lance Lynn, who knows how to do it and you get him around youngsters and, and he and he goes, Hey, by the way, kid, maybe you should try this. And then he goes out and has this incredible effort. And you, my friend really screwed up. Didn't you? How bad do you feel?
1: I want all white Sox fans everywhere to thank me. because i have been playing fantasy sports since the 1990s and one immutable two immutable facts are true for me in fantasy football and fantasy baseball which are the two primary fantasy sports one i will end someone's career every year every calendar year i will end either a football player or baseball player's career
0: right because you draft him you depend on him and he and he he dies out there or something
1: I literally had, in back-to-back seasons in fantasy baseball, ruptured testicles from Mitch Hanniger and Yadier Molina. That's how good luck I am for both of the them.
0: You, you were actually on a yes. roll where you were rupturing testicles just by putting guys on I your was, fantasy was baseball was team. I rupturing
1: testicles by putting guys in my starting lineup. <laughs> now, the other immutable fact is that whatever team I root for in real life, if I draft their players, they will, regardless of talent level, absolutely poop the bed until I get them off my roster. So I took a gamble with Dylan Cease. I traded for him in the offseason. He was there on the roster. And as soon as he got off to this bad start, I'm like, you know what? You offered me a couple of prospects. And I'm like, look, I got to take it. I got to get this guy off the team because for the greater good of White Sox fandom... Dylan Cease needs to no longer be on any of my fantasy teams. So what you're teams, claiming is, is that you made,
0: you made a terrible trade and jumped the gun and gave me Dylan Cease because you were doing because it. Because I want
1: the White Sox to win the World Series. You're like
0: yes. the little kid from Tiger Town that has to be watching the game in the stadium for them to perform, but when he's at home, they're bad. Remember that movie from the 80s? Like he had to actually be there at the ballpark, like the big, like he's running through in the final scene, and he pokes his head through at the last moment where he can get a view of what's going on, and something good happens. I, I th- now I got to go find that movie. I'm sure it's streaming somewhere and watch it today. But that's what you are—you influence the game in that way.
1: I influence the game in that way. It's 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 tried and true. Last year, <laughs> it, it Bears fans, Bears fans, you know, last year, how bad was David Montgomery in the right. first half of the season? Right, right. He was terrible. Yeah. What did I do? I traded him mid-season.
0: Yeah, he got good. He turned it around. Yeah, look at you. He look got at good. you. Well, you better stay away from their new uh, their new quarterback. Just don't go anywhere near him, okay? As far as I'm concerned, I want oh, you to tweet. I,
1: I know better. I know better than to ever touch Bears quarterbacks in fantasy football. Are you kidding me? Jeez. Me-
0: meanwhile, the uh Sox in the Basement Twitter account made Larry Garcia have a day the other night because I I criticized why he was starting over Nick Madrigal in game one and then playing in game two. I'm like, how is the well, worst hitter on the team in the lineup for both games of a doubleheader, and the guy goes off and is like a big part of them winning. So, so you know, maybe that's how it works too. Maybe when the Sox in the basement Twitter account criticizes a lineup decision, automatically that guy is going to do very good. Let's talk about some of the pitching stats, okay? The White Sox currently as a team, as we flip the calendar, just outside the top 10 in walks and hits per innings pitched. So, you know, you want them to get a little bit better at that. But in terms of earned runs, they are a top 10 team right now. They have one of the the lowest 10 ERAs in all of baseball, which is incredible. But here's, a, here's another one that kind of stood out to me. Looking at strikeouts and walks, the White Sox, as I look at these stats right now, and they may shuffle a little bit here between when, When I'm reading them and you actually get to the podcast on demand, uh, the Sox sixth in Major League Baseball in terms of the amount of strikeouts their pitching staff gets. But when you look at walks, the White Sox give up the 22nd most walks in Major League Baseball. They're not walking a lot of players, and they're striking out a ton compared to other pitching staffs in baseball. So when we talked about at the beginning of the show, the reasons why the offense is clicking so well – and put in perspective, like, run differential, and we, we take a look at the the guys with the high OPSs and, and the interesting stats as a team that show that they are a good hitting team who gets on base more than any other team in baseball, at least early on this season. If you look at the pitching staff, they're pretty damn good.
1: Well, yeah, it, and, you know, you talked about whip, right? So it's walks, hits. Whip is walks plus hits per innings pitched. So it's
0: the amount of guys you put on base per inning.
1: So we know they're not walking guys. They are giving up hits, but what's important is, is that because of the strikeouts, they're not letting those guys come around, right? So you can put up with with a slightly higher whip if you've got – and if you've got a low ERA and a high strikeout rate, those are all like really that's – a, that's a good metric for, for the team to have. So you, you do have to look at the bigger picture with White Sox pitchers. Uh, it's not just about one stat with them, kind of the way you could do with the batters. What I like – is that at least, and, and I'm going to discount Dylan Cease's one start for just a second here, but what I like is, is that you're getting really solid contributions for five out of the six starters because I'm going to count Michael Kopeck as a guy that they were going to spot start this year anyway, okay? And when he has stepped in, he has stepped in really, really well. And the bullpen has had some early problems, but we know what their talent level is, so you can kind of watch how they're doing. And I think what's important to do, too, is, is to look at, and, I, and I, I wish I had it in front of me, but uh, to look at the, the amount of guys that they're leaving on base, because that's also a really good sign. If they're stranding runners at a high rate, what that means is that those hits in that whip that, that's bringing that whip up, those hits are meaningless. Those walks are largely meaningless because they're not coming around to score. Socks in the
0: basement listeners, do the hard work. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. I I sent out a tweet on the Socks in the Basement uh, Twitter account, and I had some reaction to it, so I, I kind of want to tell you what I said. And have you kind of react to it as well, if you don't mind. So it was, I was retweeting the ridiculous home run the other night by your Mercedes, where he puts the thing up at the top of the Ivy dead center field.
1: The one where Benetti said, give this man a shrubbery. He just hits a bomb,
0: okay? So (laughs) I just retweeted it and I said, imagine if Aloy had never been injured and your never got a chance. And now imagine when Aloy comes back and joins him late in the season. Now, first, there's a lot to unpack with that. And, and people reacted to it, I think, because there was a lot there. First of all, let's think about this. Look at this guy. And if he is a real hitter, and he, no, he's not going to hit over 1,000 OPS for the season. I, just, I don't believe that. But he's definitely a middle-of-the-order guy who's going to contribute to you. I do believe that. All right? He, I think that he's up there. He's confident. He's hitting well. And I'm not seeing any cracks yet in his armor. So, like, we could have really lost out here if Aloy Jimenez had not been injured. But even if it does fall apart for him, even if this is one magical season in the sun, who would have thought we had a guy who would have actually just filled in for Aloy when he got himself injured? But also think about the second part of that the log jam that could potentially be there. The idea that between Vaughn, Abreu, Mercedes, Jimenez, and also Angle and Eaton because like you could be doing platoons with one or the other out in right field, but then you might have the urge to put Angle out in left and Eaton in right. You're going to have people getting left out of the lineup every day when Aloy is back and when Adam Angle's back. And it's going to be it's going to be an interesting thing to watch what Tony Larusa does. And in the conversations I was having with people, I was trying to explain like, "Hey, you could give every one of those guys one day off a week, and it, you wouldn't even miss the guy because of how good they are. And this is what the Dodgers are. This goes back to something we yelled about in the offseason about depth. It's okay to have too many hitters where you're like, oh, man, that guy's got to sit on the bench tonight. It's okay to have too many pitchers where you, as you said earlier, are saying the White Sox really have six starters because you think about Michael Kopeck. This is the depth you need if you're going to contend for a championship this is the thing i thought was missing so if it continues this way and then you get late season aloy comes back you have a very good problem do you think it's a scary some people reacted like that was a scary problem like larussa would screw that up all right or or you would just have to take one of these great guys out of your lineup or something like that i think it's a good problem to have
1: oh heck yeah it's a good problem to have no no there's I'm not scared for your mean Mercedes to have to to take a couple of days off and and put Aloy Jimenez in the lineup or you know that Andrew Vaughn might get a chance to sit against somebody who's particularly nasty against a rookie in favor of Adam Engel who's been around for a couple of years or that you know you might go to more of a platoon type of a situation with your only left-handed hitting outfielder and Adam Eaton because you're going to just load up that right-handed murderer's row you just listed against a left-handed pitcher. Why would you be worried about I mean, being worried about that is, is, I think, just PTSD from Ricky Renteria, where he would make lineup decisions that didn't have a basis in like, well, this guy's got to get in the lineup and we can give this guy a break. He would make lineup decisions that just made no sense. And maybe a little bit of Tony La Russa saying, well, Jake Lamb's going to start in left field today instead of Andrew Vaughn. But at the end of the year, if your mean Mercedes is hitting, let's say somewhere around his minor league career norms, or or you know what he's done over 11 seasons in in all sorts of levels, which is he was a 309 hitter with an 864 OPS. If he's hitting anywhere close to that, that is a wonderful problem to have that you didn't expect him to be an everyday contributor in the lineup. It's a wonderful problem to have if Andrew Vaughn is hitting well enough that at the end of the season he's still forcing his way into the lineup. It is a fantastic problem to have that two outfielders who, you know, Engel was talked about as potentially being a starter going into this year if they didn't find anybody else, and was also talked about as somebody the Indians might want it might have wanted from Mike Clevenger for God's sakes. So between Engel and Jimenez coming back, uh where where's the problem? Where's the problem? in sitting there saying that no matter what, you're going to keep these guys fresh. And by the way, you're going to destroy other pitchers and cause them to need to change their undershorts in between innings, every single inning.
0: Well, and that was the other thing. Like one of the things that was floated in the conversations that I was having with people was the idea like, well, there's too many guys. They're going to have to make a trade. So I hope they trade the right one out of that group. And I'm like, why do you need to trade any of them? You're not trading any of them. Guys guys go through streaks, guys need to sit down, guys get injured. You know, you could play matchups a little bit better. Why do you need to do it? The Dodgers don't just trade somebody because, you know, he's just sitting there and he's blocked a little bit. They don't they don't sit there and say, "Oh, well, you know, Chris Taylor isn't getting enough at-bats because we have to, we have uh, Lux and we have Seager in the infield. You know, we should just make a trade." They they don't do that. Why do you do that? If, if You need all of that. That's a good thing to have. Nothing says that you need to have nine guys that are superstars that play every day, and the other four have to be subs that could never really be a starter. No, you want some of your subs to actually be like, he'd be a starter on another team. That's how you know you're good. That's what the late 90s Yankees were. That's what the current LA Dodgers are. Okay, that's what the the, the Astros even have a touch of that in their little run that they've had recently.
1: Same with the Padres right now, too. Uh, The Padres have talent sitting on their bench
0: that is good enough to start on other teams. That's how you know you have a team that contends for a championship. So, no, I don't think that suddenly because you have the possibility of a logjam later in the year, and really, we're talking ifs. There's a lot of big ifs there. Does Mercedes continue to hit the way that he's hitting? Does Aloy come back and actually have power or because of the way that he had that muscle tear is he just basically a base hit machine who's not going to hit bombs until he's fully recovered next season. You know, there's a lot of ifs going on there. Will there be a major injury and that that actually solves that problem? Does Andrew Vaughn go into a slump even though he's hitting right now because he's going to be up and down cuz he's still a rookie? There's so many things happening here. You want to have that depth because there are uncertainties. The idea that what everybody's doing right now is what they're going to be doing in 3-4 months is insanity. That's not true. I mean, you. we were talking about before we actually flipped on the microphones, Jim Bowden was sitting around and, you know, he's one of these guys who likes to throw out his opinion about baseball players and he goes, enjoy this uh, Mercedes thing while well, you got it, White Sox fan, because he might not even be on the team or something. Like, what did he say,
1: Ed, that you were telling me? Oh, he said, you know, he's not going to keep this pace up, which – Right, we all know that. Nobody's gonna keep this pace up, because you're right. Hall of Fame, just no don't even put a bust of your mean in the hall of fame. Actually put him in a glass case in the hall of fame if he keeps it up for the entire season. Right. right. But what he's saying is is that you know, he might be able to contribute, especially against left-handed pitching, at the DH position by the end of the season. So he's he's basically saying you're gonna drag him down from where he's at now to he's not going to be somebody you can trust every day because you're going to have to platoon him or you're going to have to play matchups or maybe he can contribute a little bit. And and basically he's saying he doesn't think he's that good.
0: Well, that's an uninformed opinion because Mercedes actually has a very small sample size against lefties. In fact, I think the White Sox leader in at-bats against lefties is Madrigal with 20. I don't have it in front of me right now, but I think I I looked that up the other day. I mean, they don't have a lot of at-bats against left-handed pitchers because you know the book on the White Sox is don't send lefties out against them, so you get a lot of righties. You mean Mercedes in a very small sample size, you're right, a little bit better against left-handed pitchers with an OPS of 1250, but against righties where he's getting the majority of his at-bats, 1116. So the idea that he's a platoon guy, he's literally right now as we sit, the best hitter on this team against right-handed pitching on a team that has always had a problem with it. So that's out of town stupid right there. From Jim Bowden like he doesn't he doesn't get this team enough to be able to make that evaluation yes there's no way he's going to keep this up. no way he's going to keep this up I do think he's going to be in the home run contest though in Colorado and that's going to be fun and likely though well, that'll be a good time it'll right, probably screw up his swing and then that's when it'll have the, the fall off I mean he's going to hit a slump he's going to have to be benched for a little while he's going to have to work things out as pitchers adjust to him but the idea that he can't hit right-handed pitching I think is really stupid I think that you're the, – the idea that just because he's – a it's almost as if he looked at your mean and he goes, well, he's a right-handed hitter, so he'd only be good against lefties when he when he evens out. That, that, I don't think there's anything to support that at all.
1: Well, to give you an idea of what Mercedes did, say, in 2019, his last full minor league season, against left-handed pitchers, 361 with a 1.115 OPS. That's that's mashing against some left-handed that's mashing.
0: pitching. That's mashing.
1: Uh, against right-handed pitchers, 300 with a 908 OPS. That is also mashing yeah. against right-handed yeah, pitching. He's
0: better against lefties. Fine. Makes sense. He's better against lefties. He's not He's not terrible against righties. There are guys with worse splits lefty-righty on this team right now than your mean Mercedes. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. the idea that he'd be the platoon guy. I don't, I don't think so there, Jim. You might. <laughs> maybe listen to a few episodes of Socks in the Basement. We're on demand. Check us out, socksinbasement. wherever podcasts can be found. Maybe go back, listen to some of the things we did—deep dives against lefties and righties, and the lineup and guys' histories and things like that. Instead of just looking at a screen or following a tweet and just making like a like a hot take because you're wrong.
1: And Rick Hahn does not like your hot takes, Jim Bowden. Just do me a favor, will you? Absolutely. What do you need? Do?
0: Uh, don't put your mean Mercedes on your fantasy
1: team. Socks in the basement.